I am from beyond. Listen, and all you desire will be yours. Welcome to Spider-Man and the Secret Wars. Prepare for battle. Welcome to Prattle World. I am your host, the ever-amazing, ever-spectacular Spider-Dan. And in this podcast, I spotlight entertainment's best-kept secrets that a mainstream audience may find boring. And welcome to another edition of Secret Ball Stories, where I invite guests to count down a personal top five list in high-fidelity fashion. And we are brought to you by the magic of Zoom, this newfangled technology that we're working into all of our social interactions and I have a man that I don't socially interact with enough. He is a lovely expert on X-Men, extra special guest. It is Ben Crampton. Hello sir. Hello, thanks for having me back. I thought it wouldn't happen and yet here I am. <laughs> no, I really enjoyed our last one on the uh, on the Killer Santas, which is not really necessarily your expertise, let's say. No, um, I didn't have a clue what I was talking about. So I'm, I'm excited about today because I feel like I've got a little bit more, um, you know, uh, knowledge behind me. Uh, this is something I'm very passionate about as a, as a big X-Men fan. So I'm, I'm happy to be here virtually. <laughs> Well, I, I th- thought you did amazingly well, considering it was a weird and wacky thing. And you, you know, you jumped in, you know, on the deep end and you threw yourself in there. And I really respect that. And I like, I like guests that are, are up for anything. So, so thank you very much for that. And you know, we are here to talk X-Men. And you are wearing your X-Men uniform, I see. Um, I've got a blue t-shirt and a, a little X-badge there for you, Dan. Um, logo. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, you've not not come in full cosplay, but listeners, one can't can't see me like uh, to appreciate that. So wasted effort potentially <laughs> on that front. And then me and you aren't even in each other's presence, so <laughs> it's a double potential wasted effort. Go for it. I'm feeling very mutant like just very with mutant. the badge on. Feeling ostracized? Now. You're feeling isolated? All of my life. <laughs> That's just at home. So, uh, so what got you into the X Men? Like, wh- why do you why do you like the characters so much and the world, the universe of the X Men? So, um, I was probably about twelve years old, I think, uh, watching Fox Kids and the animated X Men series. Yes, uh, was obviously at its kind of most popular at that stage, and I think that's really kind of what caught my attention. Uh, you know, to the X-Men, but to Marvel as well, and also to comics. Um, that was kind of my my gateway, if you will. I'm all, I've always been fascinated by freaks. As a lad, you know, I wasn't the cardboard cutout, you know, sportsman, or uh, I wasn't particularly, uh, you know, talented in, in a, any particular area. You know, I, I always had that slight feeling of being the outcast. Um, and I think I was particularly drawn to, to the idea that there were the, uh, a collection of people that society somewhat reject, um, but they still kind of have that heroic, you know, that, that heroic attitude where, where they, they serve to protect, you know, uh, humankind despite being rejected by them. And I thought that was very noble. I also just, 
I, I loved the, the the characters. I think when when you're little, you know, you you often see superheroes in a very kind of I don't want to you know poo poo any characters, but in like a Superman like fashion, you know, very uh, hands on 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 the hips, kind of cape out. And I kind of straight away was drawn to the likes of you know Wolverine, who was this short, grumpy, hairy, you know, um, man with anger management issues you know and it was just so diverse i think that cartoon roster especially you know with the likes of storm probably represented a lot of what you would never have seen on other kind of mainstream shows at that point as well you know this kind of african goddess uh like character so that uh, i particularly enjoyed that character as well and beast you know the kind of juxtaposition of this um you know big fairy animal but with the intellect and you know well-spoken Kelsey Grammer like personality so I, I was drawn to so many of the characters Gambit you know he, he's a crook really you know and he's yeah. he's this kind of smooth talking crook and 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 I like that but he was still a hero you know and he did still have that heart of gold and so I was I was very drawn to that and and it became a pathway into the kind of comic book world I started reading Uncanny X-Men Chris Claremont uh, type stuff that was probably my first comic book introduction wow. good, one, um, good place to start yeah I, I mean there's no better place to start you know because again that was probably more of a group of misfits than the original x-men team you know you kind of had them from around the globe you know and you, you had your likes of nightcrawler and colossus which have pretty much gone on to become my favorite characters mm. colossus is my boy he's one of my favorites uh, i i totally my story is very much the same to yours to yours i think I saw it a little bit earlier because I think where I lived, we got Sky, uh, and I was quite looking okay. Sky, so I think it was on there a lot earlier. So I had kind of that access, and again, that led me into. All right, show. rich boy. <laughs> Proper tough me, yeah. I, I, this was in Blackpool. Okay? I was in someone's garden watching it for a window. <laughs> so yes, <laughs> so we had that, and yeah, I, I, again, I felt the same way. I felt a little, you know, alone, ostrich of the sized, or a bit. Mm. You know, didn't feel like I belonged to people, didn't make necessarily make friends that easily and things like that. And I think, yeah, I think the diversity was really, really interesting, really important. You had these, you know, they, they protect the world that fears and hates them. You know, they, they could easily be villains. They could easily, you know, go out and, you know, people wouldn't blame them because of the way they were treated. They'd be like, yeah, fair enough. It could be like a, a Joker movie. You know, you kind of understand why he goes mad. Yeah. You could understand it, but they don't. They protect the world that fears and hates them because it's the right thing to do and they believe in equality and you know and the rights of everybody to be treated as a as a human being as a fellow human being no matter your differences you can come together for a common cause and yeah and that was one of the big lessons to me as a, in, in you know imbued in me as a youngster was that you know no matter what you treat everybody the same you know treat everybody you know with respect because we're yeah. all human at the end of the day whether you're mutant you know gay you know, Muslim, whatever, you, you, everyone mm. gets treated the exact same way. And it should be like that. So I, I love that. And I've always loved that about the X-Men. And I think they've got such a, such a great wealth of stories and places you can go um, within that kind of general kind of racism message or anti-racism message, even from those kind yeah. of early days, even though they were all, you know, they were not as diverse as the later kind of cast of characters 
um, there was still, you know, that message was very much in the first few issues of those Kirby Stanley. Oh, it's very, it's very simple, isn't it? You know, the the leaders of Malcolm X and oh, yeah. you know Martin Luther King sort of thing. You know, that 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 kind of uh, analogy is is just genius, really. Oh, it's perfect. Um, it's perfect. Yeah. So yeah. you see Malcolm X as the more aggressive Magneto type, and Martin Luther mm-hmm. King as the more kind of peace loving Xavier type. Um, both yeah. wrong in their own ways and both right in their own ways and yeah change their ideas they work together work against each other um and i think that the the central message of the x-men is you know it's still you know relevant today you know and it yeah. always i think it always will be to some to some uh level um but yeah I, it's a very similar story for me in regards to how i got into comics and you know i mean that's that cartoon series is one of the best written best animated, best performed cartoons, you know, it's up there with Batman the Animated Series or anything else in the kind of the, the 90s era of really good stuff. There's some not so great Marvel stuff as well, but, uh, but that for me is the pinnacle. Um, but yeah, should we, should we get started? Because we're here to talk underrated X-Men. Should we, get, yes. should we get going? I'd love to, yeah. Would you like to go first? Oh, you gentlemen uh as always thank you um okay i've not particularly got like an order in terms no, of um worst to work <laughs> yeah worst i don't know how we're worst. doing this to be fair worst. because they're all underrated no that was your last um, one you did all the worst you did all the worst killer santa movies <laughs> oh yeah yeah almost <laughs> like i didn't know what i was talking about anyway um so uh, i'm going to start off with Duke. Dupe, okay, from X yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah, he debuted in X Force One One Six. Peter Milligan, Michael uh, Allred, you know, came up with the uh, the concept and and the look and things. So uh, I even drew a little picture. Just yeah, uh, that's a really that's good picture, actually. Dupe. Um, <laughs> So if you don't know sketch. who Duke is, he's like a little green bogeyman, basically. Yeah, so he was, a lot of people think that he's kind of heavily inspired by Slimer. You know, yeah, kind of yeah, imagine a, a Slimer-like character. He's from, the joy of Duke, okay, is that there's not a lot known about him. Kind of the less you know about him, the funnier he is as a character. It's almost like what they have revealed about him I'd rather they not have because it's it, the the joy of Duke is that there's this kind of add-on character that kind of floats around. Uh, he's the cameraman to Ecstatics originally. He's just the cameraman. It makes no <laughs> sense. And 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 yet, as as the years have progressed, Duke's kind of like you know gone up against the likes of Thor mm. uh, and and pretty much matched Thor in a fight. Here, he's kind of got this like unknown history with Wolverine to the point where like Wolverine has known him like pre X Men, you know, wow. uh, and and no. <laughs> No one really knows. So he apparent. So he's from a place called Margin Marginalia. Uh, uh, Marginalia I might not be saying that right, but um, he he can break the fourth wall. So there is a comic uh, where he he comes through the pages or through the panel and goes into the next panel. So uh, I think Marginalia is a kind of joke around that. Between the he, he's yeah. There's there's this crazy kind of issue where Mama Duke. Is is this kind of massive, large kind of version of him, and she's she's kind of uh, evil and and all of this stuff. I, I just kind of love the ridiculousness of it, and kind of the way that he he doesn't really relate to mutants. In you know, Dupe could have been in any comic, but 
he 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 sits there alongside the X teams, and it's almost like well, there's no better company for for a freak um, like Duke other than the X Men, really. Ecstatics as well was a particularly kind of uh, misfit group. Uh, I, I think so. It was so, kind of like um, reality TV stars, like uh, the Real World or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, um, but I love the art uh, in those books. Um, it's really kind of. Uh, vibrant and, and, and clear and bold and, and, and almost simplistic, you know, in the way it is. And, and, and I love that. And I love the design of, of Duke. He was apparently created in, a, in like a Cold War government lab. That's, again, like another rumor of his origins. But as I said, the joy to this character is that we really don't know huge amounts about him. But my favorite kind of, you know, stuff with Dupe in it is probably the Wolverine, the X-Men series um, by uh, Jason Aaron, and Chris Piccolo when it started. And Dupe can often be seen like, or, or there might just be one moment, you know, that's really sort of random. Uh, he, he's having a sexual relationship with the character War, Warbird. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, it's very, it's very fleeting as a moment, but it's heavily implied. Um, so he's this kind of like pansexual you know, uh, character as well. He's got his own language. Now, if you look it up, you can actually find a dupe translator. Yeah. It, I mean, if you really haven't got a lot to do in your life, then that <laughs> is out there. But the there is a comic where he, uh, I think it was all new dupe, his, his own kind of spin-off series where he teams up with Kitty Pride. I can't remember the reason, but she can understand what he's saying. Yeah. And they end up having this weird kiss at the end. Like he's a very, he's, <laughs> he's a, he's a very kind of mischievous, you know, um, ridiculous character. And I just, I, I just think he's, I'd love to see that in another kind of form of media, to be honest, because I just yeah. think it would, kids, kids would just lap that up. I always love that mascot like character, you know, whether it be okay. Slimer or Snarf, trying yeah, to think of some others now. Ewoks. Yeah. He works, yeah, but that kind of that 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 one character that's in a team full of you know muscular heroes, and then there's this weird weird little freak to the side. <laughs> yeah. That's the character I've I've always been drawn to, and and, and Dupe is kind of that in in some of the modern era uh, X Men books. So yeah, Dupe is my number yeah. one, Dan. I, I really I really do want to. I need to finish. And I think I'm going to get back into my X Men comics. Just making this list has made me go. You know what? I need to read a bit more again. Um, but Ecstatics is one I want to look at specifically because um, I think that's yeah. a nice, unique spin on the X-Men. And, and you're always singing the praises of Wolverine and the X-Men. So I'm, I'm slowly making my way through that as well. Literally, I miss it. I miss it dearly. Although I have loved the new House of X stuff. Um, really interesting. You mentioned at the beginning about obviously why you love X-Men and about them doing the right thing. And if they were bad, you know... We, you'd kind of understand that. And that's kind of where what House of X explores, I think. It's kind of the X-Men finally, after all these years of shit, uh, be a little bit selfish, you know, yeah. start to kind of think for themselves a little bit. And um, so, yeah, I highly recommend that. I really like the Brian Michael Bendis run. Um, I think it was Uncanny X-Men where um, Cyclops is like this totality. Oh, leader. yes. Fantastic. Straight after kind of Avengers versus X-Men introduces the... the time traveling younger original x-men um it's just yeah. it's just good i still again still haven't finished that but uh, bloody love hashtag cyclops was right yes i even have a t-shirt great That's, um, have you i genuinely have one on the way it's coming <laughs>
I'm serious. I ordered it the other day. Um, I'm saving on train fares at the moment, so it's going towards yeah, Quentin um, Quire T-shirts. Have a Magneto is right as well uh, T-shirt. But, that's where it started, I think, wasn't it? And then Quentin right, Quire yeah. did the spoof T-shirt with the Cyclops <laughs> on. Yeah, we'll come to him later. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. I had a feeling you might include him somehow. <laughs> that's great. Well, uh, have you got anything else you want to say about Deep specifically? Um, no, I just um, if you not not been introduced to him. I highly recommend going out and trying to kind of do a bit of research because it's just so off the wall. Um, I think I've read. I think I've read that one issue where I think it's Wolverine and the X Men, and they, it kind of follows a, a day in the life of Doop. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So good. Yeah, that's a really good. I, I think that's the only one I've really that's really focused in on Doop that I've read. Um, but I was. It was so funny. It was just so so funny. The whole. His whole, you know, his whole, what he goes about, because he's like jumping between adventures and heroes and fights. Yeah. Like, I rarely laugh out loud to a comic, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it, it takes a real bit of good writing for me to kind of like snort whilst yeah. I'm reading. And, you know, Dupe often gives me that snort moment that I'm yeah. looking for. So, I think that's yeah. the thing with, I think that's the thing with comics is it's all about the timing and timing's yeah. hard to show in a comic for the passage of time in still images. Um, and I think that's probably why. And again, with like horror comics, it's a bit hard to get that like jump scare moment or anything like that. But I've experienced that kind of a jump scare in a Scott Snyder book. Um, can't remember the name of it at the moment, but I think it's Severed. Look that one up. It's really good. I think it's Severed. Right. I guess I'll do my first one. Over to you. Yeah. Okay. So as we were saying that the original X-Men were not that diverse. And I feel like because of that, we do... They do tend to be looked over a lot. I did like when the time yeah. traveling X Men came came back. The younger versions of the original X Men came back, and I feel like those characters. I I, I love them just as much as the you know the the my favorite is probably the second generation with Sunfire, Nightcrawler, Wolverine. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And that's that's my go to kind of team, the John Byrne era team. Me too. Um. So, but I do I do appreciate the original X Men, and they've you know they they. They were the trendsetters, you know. They, they made the they made their mark, and we wouldn't have other X Men if it wasn't for those original characters. Um, so I'm going to go with Bobby Drake, Iceman. So Bobby Drake is he's kind of this fun-loving guy. Um, not not so much in the in the movies because everyone's a bit grim in the movies. Um, but he's, he's oh, don't even <laughs> don't even. I'll, I'll let you go, okay, and then and then. Let me out of my cage because I, I will go on this one. I'm sure, I'm sure. He has the control over ice. He can turn himself into an ice form. He can make duplicates of himself out of ice. He can throw yeah. things as these famous kind of ice slides that uh, Family Guy made fun of and things like that. Um, there's all sorts. Of, his powers are, are limitless. He's at, in fact an Omega level mutant. Um, I'm not sure if that's... I was going to say, yeah. I'm not sure if that's still the case now, but he, an Omega level mutant, is a mutant so powerful they can basically end all life on the planet as we know it. In their upper limits, they could do that. So we're talking Storm, Magneto, um, you know, a few of the other, a Legion, a few other kind of characters like that. They are at a level where they could just go, right, everyone's dead. That's it. That's the world gone. Um, there's a really good storyline in Astonishing X-Men where he gets like a, an apocalypse death seed in his body and starts turning evil. And he turns into a giant. He flash freezes all of New York. He takes on Thor and takes Thor down. You know, he's incredible. Given that potential, he can do limitless things. However, his basically has these like kind of mental blocks and personal problems that have kind of resulted in him 
not achieving greatness, not achieving his his potential. So, for example, his his father he grew up with a father who was quite bigoted and and prejudiced against you know basically anybody that was different, any race, um, you know, sexuality, mutants especially, just didn't take to them. So that is that informed the way. Bobby, you know, feels about himself. Now, it was hinted years ago as well in early in the early nineties that he may be a closeted uh, gay man, um, which they later they kind of put that there because there was a few other kind of things going on that we had Emma Frost possess his body and do things that he never thought was even possible with his ice powers, shape shifting, you know, manipulation, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, and this later led into twenty fifteen the younger time-traveling Bobby revealing that he was gay to the adult um, Iceman and he kind of comes to terms with it there and then and goes you know no wonder this ladies man never really had any luck with the ladies because I just how can you deal with all this and me at my age still can't kind of get a handle on it and I thought I felt like a lot of people were a bit up in arms because they were like oh he's an established character and now he's gay and I was like well no it was kind of still kind of hinted at and there was there was enough kind of little easter eggs and nuggets that that was enough there that there was something there and again his failures with all these relationships all these women that kind of led to that i think he's a he's a, he's finally come out and he's accepted who he is and and he's never been more popular i think he's got his own series now he's got his own he's living his best life right now on that the is. um with the marauders uh storyline i think he's just shacked up with like i can't remember who it is some guy, anyway. Yeah. Um, is he is like a is he another X Man or is he? It's all to do with the um, the Hellfire Club, oh, I think. And, okay, so maybe maybe. Um, but yeah, but he's happy, which is good. That's it. He knows That's himself. Good. He knows himself. Yeah, and I think he's he's what I like about him as well. He's always a character that there's a lot of these characters that go, oh, I'm you know I'm cursed, I'm a mutant, I'm ugly, I'm unaccepted. But he's kind of a character that's always enjoyed the use of his powers and. You know, however limited they are, he's always had a good time being a mutant. When he fully kind of embraces himself, that's the best side of that character, I find. And he was, you know, when he wasn't an X-Man, he was still a, like a big team player. He was in the Champions, the original Champions. Um, he was in a, a version of the Defenders with Beast and Angel. Um, you know, he's a huge team player. Um, Spider-Man and Friends. Yes, one of my amazing friends. Totally forgot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a huge, huge character. Very popular. Um, you know, he's well known. You know, he's not exactly. I'm glad that he's not like. A, I, there's a lot of things that he could be like a carbon copy of the Human Torch. They could have easily done that. But I'm glad that he has enough of his own kind of character and his elements and do that. That he can be his own. He's character. playful, but not cocky like the Human Torch. Yeah. Like the Human Torch is cocky, and I don't. I think he was. He always came across as playful with his powers rather than cocky. Yeah, um, I think, I I think the anyway. Human Torch on a bad day can look like a bit of a dick, but I don't think Bobby has ever really looked like Even on his best day, he's a bit of a dick. <laughs> but I was thinking, like, we were talking about, like, the mutants, that if they were, if they were like, full-on evil, you know, if they just said, ah, mm. I don't particularly like humankind. Iceman would be a terrifying villain. He can, he can literally pull the moisture out of your body and create a whole new body for himself, purely on the moisture. He can give you oh, a yeah. natural brain freeze by freezing the blood in your brain. That's some scary shit, you know. And water is everywhere. Like, water is everywhere. Yeah, so is everywhere. He controls all of the moisture everywhere, you know. He yeah. can do the tiniest changes, and he can make the most drastic changes. It's He's an incredible character, and he doesn't get enough kind of spotlights, I don't think, or enough kind of love. 
for who not correct is. spotlight anyway yeah yeah the, yeah so this oh. this is where i'm going to go off on one okay, right here we go. those films the x-men films okay I, I i i do have some love for um some of the kind of uh, the reboot uh, attempts uh, yeah. first class and yeah. and uh, x-men will always be very special to me uh, and x-men 2 is actually one of my favorite films ever but Iceman was an epic fail. They like Frozone in The Incredibles is a better version of Iceman than Iceman. Well, The Incredibles is a better like, version of the Fantastic Four as well. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's Fantastic Four plus Iceman. You know, and it and it is frustrating as a as a fan because you know you you do feel like they're almost limiting what kind of a fan base there could be for a character when they do it a, a disservice like that. You know, because he wasn't. He didn't have any other kind of playful charm that, that he has in the comics. Um, there wasn't, there were, you know, they, they obviously had the scene around his parents' house and stuff, but really that wasn't kind of explored enough, you know, with a prejudiced family, really. Um, you I know, I think a, the whole... That is a good scene. That one scene, I think, you know, have you tried not being a mutant? I do think that is one of the stronger scenes. Yeah, it's great, but like, if you really delved into that, that could have got really dark and really interesting, you know, and it's, it is a shame, but that's where sometimes I think the X-Men would have been better suited to like a Game of Thrones style series because each character is so interesting and can have an hour by themselves, you know, because easily, you know, if not more, um, you know, for me as a Colossus fan, it's like Colossus has a cameo in X-Men 2, He's part of the team in X-Men 3, but it says about two lines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, that's soul-destroying for a fan because you think, yeah. oh, you know, I, I want to see him on the farm. I want to see him with his sister. I want to see him battling with, you know, the, the kind of uh, his Russian heritage and, and what that means. And, and, yeah. But anyway, yeah, so uh, Iceman, I definitely think um, is underrated in, in the sense that I don't think in popular media they have shown him for, for what he could be. And, and I do, I think the... Him coming out is 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 a great bit of inventive writing. You know, what? imagine if a younger version of yourself came to you and, and said, look, you know, I, I feel like this, and you've kind of not listened to yourself for however long. Because I think to myself, what if a younger, you know, version of myself, if, if I could speak to a younger version of myself and there was something that I forgot that had happened, that I'd suppressed, yeah. you know, and, and, and that was one of the most interesting parts of that storyline of, of the past x-men coming yeah. coming to the present also, it went on a bit long you, though that whole thing what would you tell your younger self as well what kind of advice would you give your younger exercise self? more you fat little shit no um <laughs> no i would uh, yeah no i genuinely would say exercise more and that wasn't even a joke um <laughs> i would uh say drama's great and all but learn um how to build stuff um <laughs> do, do yeah be be practical in some way please um do something that does money that gets you the monies future version of Iceman in that same uh, bendis uh, x series yeah. they did a whole there was like f- a future reality version of the x-men and Iceman was like a snowman like a snow hulk type oh, yeah, character I that. yeah that was great that was great yeah I love that. yeah i love that as well um one of my favorite moments comes in um uh, the Amazing X Men, which is a kind of, uh, I think it's, I think Chris Claremont came back, and I think Ed McGuinness wrote some of it. I think. Okay. Okay. It's basically a storyline that resurrected Nightcrawler, which I was so happy about. Yeah, and they travel to hell, and they travel to to heaven, and they all, you know, and basically Nightcrawler gives up 
his time in heaven to save his friends, which I thought was really nice, kind of heartbreaking kind of thing. Finally, you know, gets to go to heaven. Um, there's a great moment where they're in hell and Iceman literally freezes hell over. And it's amazing. Just the whole, just straight away, just like, just flash freezes all of hell. I don't even need to see that. The fact that that exists as a, as a plot line is <laughs> genius. It's, it's it's freaking incredible it's brilliant yeah um but yeah so that's that's Iceman. so um cool again, good I think, choice i think all the original x-men are a little bit underrated anyway but i just wanted to i wanted to pick him um out of the out of the bunch um but yeah, yes there we go Iceman. so good stuff. next one next one of yours okay my next one is maggot <laughs> Okay. I don't know how to say his real uh, is his actual name. It's J A P H E T H J P H I think Japa. I'm not sure. Um, he's from it's a South African uh, name, but the, the, this character was created by Scott uh, Lobdell and uh, Joe Majiria. I'm probably not saying any of these names right, but Sorry. I don't care. You're gonna miss. Um, and it was back in '97, so sort of back end of the '90s, um, which I think was a good, the '90s was a great era for the X-Men. If it, for me, you've got your Uncanny X-Men um, kind of international reboot, if you will, uh, and then it was the Jim Lee era in the kind of '90s that that I particularly love. Anyway, yeah, Uncanny X-Men three, four, five. So, in a nutshell, Magus Power is a closing title he has maggots that come out of his stomach um so when he debuted there was like a an encounter with magneto so i think the kind of lead up to it is he was this young uh, south african kid who just had like a massive pot belly um and no one kind of knew what it was you know was it a tumor what was it uh and then eventually these maggots kind of came out so they 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 are called maggots but they very much don't look like something of this earth you know each parasite yeah each one has three eyes and they look very very odd and it's two big chunky kind of witchetty grub like maggots but basically we, i i don't it's an odd one he he's kind of been explored in in some ways as a very pathetic mutant you know and uh, and as a very tragic a thing character. yeah like so they're basically his digestive system these maggots they they eat things and then they kind of have to go back into his body. So they have to like eat their way back into his body. And I just love the kind of horror of that. You know, what? how disgusting is that kind of giving birth to these horrendous things and then the fact they have to kind of eat their way back into you. Um, <laughs> and he, but then it, it, other artists and writers have, have portrayed him in, in a very kind of epic way. And, and he turns blue when the maggots eat. It's almost like they're giving him kind of energy. So there, there has been some epic artwork of this kind of really cool looking blue guy. Um, he has like a, a white mohawk and the maggots kind of sit on his shoulders and he looks very epic. But then, you know, in other, in other versions, he's, he's, he's one of these horrific freak-like back characters, really. So as I said at the beginning of this, I love... Uh, uh, a freak show are you allowed to say that anymore you freak are show? yeah I mean, so a fictional freak show fictional shall we say show, yeah these are fictional characters who are exactly who would be treated 
I don't want to offend anyone that does have maggots that come out of their stomach. Yeah, I mean, that's standard. That's, that's, that's a usual thing. Very normal. But the, the, it, it comes out over time that these slugs are actually from um, an alternative dimension or something called okay. uh, Rutai. So, again, a character with a lot of kind of vagueness to it. Like, they explored him but hadn't really explored him. He's never really been a main member of the yeah. team. And I really think he could be, and you could have so much fun, and you could develop those powers. Um, name the uh, maggots. Oh, name them. Is it something like Eni and Meanie? Correct. Is it? Oh, nice. Yeah, ten points to Gryffindor. Yes. Um, which, yeah, is inspired. I, just yeah. as if if nope. you were going to name a duo, Eni and Meanie is inspired. <laughs> you know what I really love? Mutants that are born with crap powers. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Oh, I've got I've got some crackers still to come on that front. Okay, cool, cool. Let's, let's keep that going. Um, but I love that because what's great about mutants is you don't get born. You are born with these powers. You don't. Not get your choice, is it? It's not like nope. an accident or anything. You just get whatever you get. So sometimes it could be that you're more hairy than, or it could be that you have an extra toe. It could be as simple as that, or you know that you you throw up acidic vomit every time you see a girl. You know, it could be it could be anything like that, and it's just. Have you just not... described yourself? I have, yes. That's that's my superpower. Because you're hairy and with I girls. Am. I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the outsider again. But that's life, isn't it? You don't choose. You know, um, a uh, 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 little transgender, um, uh, you know, black kid does not yeah. choose those no, things. Exactly. You know, um, and and it's about obviously the world kind of not necessarily loving you for who you are and they should you know and and i think in in the x-men co- comics that's just constantly explored isn't it that, oh, yeah. that sort of thing really i, I know they introduced a um, a drag queen x-man recently i think in the last few years very on very much like a rupaul type um but i've not read any any issues with them in as of yet it's fairly fairly recent the gay community absolutely love the x-men there's a huge gay fan base for the x-men as well for for all all groups of people you know can, mm. can identify on some level you know, whether you're jewish or what have you with these characters and with these same issues that they deal with day and day day in and day out always good but i i really also did you have you ever read his death have you ever read the story that where he dies well i don't know yeah because did he get depowered in i believe yeah the whole I believe house one day he gets depowered and in the weapon x series Mr. Sinister is running like a concentration camp for mutants. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, he's been played as a bit of a joke and played as this kind of um, tragic figure. And in this, he's very much a tragic figure because he's all the while he's in this concentration camp. He's trying to protect these really young kids, these two really young mutants that have been taken from their family. And then in the end, he, he basically gets exterminated by, you know, Mr. Sinister's kind of mutant extermination team. You know, he's doing all these experiments and stuff. And he's running the place. And, the, and he kind of, he almost kind of walks into, it's very much like Auschwitz. It's very, there's a lot of kind of Auschwitz um, type visuals. And it's a really, it's really kind of heartbreaking story and a heartbreaking end to that character. I'm not, I'm not sure if they brought him back or resurrected him. He's, yeah, he's there. Mate, they're all fucking back. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. He, I've seen him in the background of some of the panels of on on you know Krakoa's doing its thing. Oh, okay, so uh, I won't I won't spoil too much about House of House of X, but oh, yeah, please don't, please don't. So I'll, I'll definitely read it. But yeah, I think, I think people it. will get over the fact I'm spoiling that Maga is in the background. 
somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like if you, oh, be, you you'll, you, you'll have people messaging you like, I, hello, uh, Dan, uh, my name's James. I'm a massive Maggot fan uh, and you've spoiled everything. How dare you? Yours sincerely. <laughs> well, well, uh, I'm going to crack on with mine now. Um, Please do, gonna, yeah. I'm going uh, to choose a villain, uh, an okay. animated X-Men villain. And we're going to go with Amal Farouk, the Shadow King. So, so this is a mutant so sleazily selfish and slovenly evil that he is the main singular reason that Charles Xavier formed the X-Men. He is the inspiration beyond all the prejudice and everything else. Charles Xavier encountered this guy in Cairo. He was running a child slavery ring. He was like a kingpin. He's this fat, horrible character who just lives off of excess and, and you know, takes advantage of people's deepest, darkest fears. He's a, apparently, he claims to be a multiversal psychic entity, which was born from the very first nightmare. Um, I'm not sure how true that is, but again, he claims to be. Um, but what he does... I was going to say, what's that in layman's terms? Um, yeah, good point. I think it's just an, just like an evil kind of okay. <laughs> non-physical evil being, let's say that. So he, right. he basically, he meets Xavier back in the, I think it's the 30s, 40s or something, wherever, however it was back in the day when they created it. And he basically says, uh, Storm pickpockets Xavier and then she, he runs after her and he, he realises that there's another mutant of a similar power set uh, nearby. And Shadow King's like, look, I run Cairo. I basically run Cairo. You can be like me. Join me. And we can, you know, we could take over the world. And, you know, we can have all the food and all the stuff and all the money and power we could ever dream of. And he's like, well, no, that's wrong. And you're taking advantage of these people. You've got child slaves. You know, God knows what else you're fucking doing with, with these children. Um, you are absolute evil. So then they journey to the astral plane and battle on a kind of a in a psychic kind of way um you know they're creating like gladiatorial armor and weapons they're clashing and xavier manages to uh, not only banish the shadow king to this plane he um kills his human host body and literally xavier does not blink an eye when he does this because he goes this guy's absolute evil there's like there's some villains out there like magneto are quite sympathetic and I, i really do appreciate a sympathetic villain but I also like an, a villain who is just pure fucking evil and you just <laughs> goes to town because you're just like, doesn't matter, he's just evil. He's evil for the sake of evil, but I don't mind that sometimes. Sometimes you, yeah. that. you need somebody who's just pure evil, just like, you know, the embodiment of evil and the Shadow King is absolutely that. But yeah, he manages obviously to escape and he attacks Xavier again and, and you know, takes advantage of, of the X-Men. Uh, possesses a lot of the X-Men. He, does, he quite likes his food, um, the Shadow King. So when he possesses a body, he likes to eat and stuff. So when those host bodies eat, they become like horribly obese, like because he just loves to like, you know, and like I said, he's, he's like the embodiment of kind of sloth and he will just keep eating. He, he possessed Karma, who's a, one of the new mutants. And he ate so much that she became morbidly obese to a point where she could barely even stand up or do anything. And the poor he, excuse. And again, he took advantage of her power to possess people as well. So he could possess multiple people. I think he kind of internalized that power as well. But he's, he's an evil bastard. Um, also, during the Muir Island saga in the 90s, this is the storyline that kind of reunited X-Factor, X-Men all back together again. He, he was battling Xavier um, on, the, on the astral plane again. 
and yeah. he caused him so much damage, much like Freddy Krueger, um, he actually he damaged his legs on the astral plane, and that crippled him again in real life, because at this point he'd learned to walk again. Massive kick in the fucking balls for Xavier. Uh, and then he basically lobotomized Xavier's son, Legion, yeah? Just likes to fuck up people's lives. Um, he is one evil bastard. He kind of feeds off these negative emotions, fear and hate and all that. So, so he's like, he's basically exactly what the X-Men is fighting against, all this kind of prejudice and hate and fear. He's almost a literal embodiment of that. And, and without the Shadow King, we wouldn't have X-Men effectively because he is the very first evil mutant that Xavier ever encountered. There's a, there's a really good storyline for Storm because Storm obviously... She, he kind of her kind of supervillain as well in a little way, in a way, especially in the animated series. They made out that she was a very much like he was an evil, evil guy and very much linked into her. And he um, he basically takes control when he's married when she's married to the Black Panther. She could, he takes control of not only the X Men but all of Wakanda and the Black Panther. And Storm has to fight everybody by herself. Um, a really good storyline. Um, highly recommend that one of best, Storm's better storylines. Um, kind of solo stories. Is that a Black Panther comic or a, an X-Men No, it's called X-Men Worlds Apart, it's called. You can I'm find sure it. Look it's like a great artwork, really good, really good storyline, great villain, all good shit. You know, Storm's amazing. She handles herself pretty well. And she Standard. Um, but yeah, you, are you a fan of the Shadow King? Yeah, I've always pictured um, Omar Jahali playing. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. You know, with the the, the, the the kind of Shadow King imagery I always remember is that kind of repulsive fat guy with the um the, the kind of little uh you know red circular glasses yeah, yeah. and the fez. Yeah he's got like, um yeah. so quite like the, uh, the armored kind of like big teeth kind of demonic look he has as well. I quite like yeah. That. I can't say I'm hugely into him, you know, I, I do like a, a physical enemy, physical threat, yeah. you know, but obviously, you know, the repercussions of what he does on yeah. said psychic planes and things like yeah. that is always, always kind of felt throughout. But um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's never been a, a, a character that kind of visually, you know, or, or kind of, you know, storyline wise, I've been that drawn to, but uh, it's, it's, it's a good choice in, in terms of like, you know, I don't think a lot of people would know about the Shadow King. No. Um, and yet he is, as you say, integral to the X-Men forming and, and yeah. to Xavier's story. So, it, you know, that's surprising in itself, isn't it? So. Exactly. Oh. Right. Um, yeah, so that was, that's all I've got to say about the Shadow King. Um, what's your okay. next one? Beak. Beak? Okay. Yes. I can, so, see, I can see a theme with all of your, uh, your X-Men. Yeah, as I said, I'm drawn to these... these um, People that might not look like they can just pop to the shops. Not conventional, not conventional. Yeah, Homo sapien look. Yeah. So for the for those that you that are not familiar with Beak, it's um, uh, also known as Barnell or Barry uh, Bohusk. He's he's from Holland originally. Is he? Which I didn't know. Yeah, I, I never kind of read you know yeah. him as this kind of you know Dutch guy, but um, yeah, he is from Holland. Uh, created by Grant Morrison. Uh, Ethan Van Scriver. Uh, X-Men 117 was his debut. Okay. And again, he's one of those kind of backdrop characters that has had the odd story, um, but he's never necessarily been kind of forefront, you know, within the X-Men uh, yeah. team. He does form a kind of uh, a relationship with uh, Angel Salvador. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're kind of one of the 
you know, X-Men shack-ups, you know, long-term shack-ups. Mm. There's not many of them. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, one-night shack-ups. But the, the, these two um, made kids, uh, got married and settled down, so to speak. Fun fact, because of Angel Salvador's kind of fairy-like powers or whatever she's got, mm. wings and stuff, and, and beak includes in the title, she laid eggs for, for their children. Uh, their okay. children were hatched. Wow. which I love. They were both depowered on M-Day, but then there was like a little thing where he, he got a suit and he served uh, with the new new warriors. Oh, but I remember I, that, yeah. I, you know, I, I didn't love that stage because the joy for me of Beak is is visually this this person that is, you know, monstrous, you know, really. He's, he, he, he's got the face of a shaven chicken. Um and you know that the, the the kind of horror and the fun that you can have with that uh, in terms of artwork, very similar to Maggot um, uh, as well. In that sense, yeah, there there was. I think sometimes there's a bit of confusion because there was a, a a series that was set on Earth one five one oh four or whatever yeah. it is, where his grandson is. So it's it. Some lovely artwork with like Wolverine, and I think there was a Sentinel on the team mm. that was like controlled by someone. Uh, and then there was like an eagle guy, like a hench eagle guy. So, in that reality, he is the grandson of Beak, but he's actually uh, called Tito. Um, and he looks like this kind of eagle humanoid. Uh, Beak does not look like that, he is meek and uh, pathetic uh, looking. He's kind of got you know, bowed like arms, almost you know, like like a bird, but then mm. human, in in the sense that he's got fingers and stuff. But then he has the horrible kind of bird like feathers coming off his elbows, and I just love uh, visually, um, and I like the way he's written. You know, there, there's there's this uh, period within, uh, I, I think it was New X Men, um, the Grant Morrison stuff, where I never know again how to pronounce this. Is it Zorn? So, RN. Yeah, I think you said. Yeah, where Zorn kind of teaches like a side group, almost like secretly, you know, at the back of the mansion, you know, he's secretly uh, teaching and and taking this group under his wings. And that group is formed of, you know, the most misfits, you know, within the school. So, your Hern and Globs, your your Beaks, um, and, and the likes. Yeah, particularly drawn to that character. His powers are. You said it earlier, and I said uh, I was going to have some characters like this. You know, they're pretty rubbish, really, in the scheme of things. He's yeah. he's he's got good sight and a yeah. bit of flight, like a bit of flight. Like <laughs> it's a, not even like a duck. <laughs> yeah, kind of like get from A to B if B's across the road. So, uh, but I, you know, I, I, those characters interest me a lot more than the you know super powered. Kind of entities, you know. I'm I'm a lot more interested to uh, within those kind of almost Frankenstein-like qualities. You know, those yeah. those characters that appear monstrous, and yet they're very endearing and they're very caring and yeah. they're they're soft sensitive, and, and yeah. good-natured and sensitive. And and Beak is is one of those prime characters, really. And to be honest, I've got another character coming up in a bit that is very very similar. Uh, and I don't know, for me as a reader, I've always been drawn to that. Maybe it's because I am a bit Frankenstein-like in that sense that you, you know, I probably look like you don't want to approach me, but then really, <laughs> you know, I I cry to Homeward Bound. So hey, there you doesn't? go. Who doesn't? I did a top five uh, 
uh, Movie Dogs. You should check out that uh, podcast. If you like Home it, did, was it Shadow or who made it onto that well, Shadow I, I or I don't want to spoil it, so you'll have to listen. Oh, okay. I did, I did Bad Dogs. There was a list of good dogs and bad dogs. So. Okay. So, All uh, good yeah. dogs. Mine are very bad. Very bad, some of them. But yeah, um, I like Beak. I think I think Beak is um, it's one of these characters that kind of that is a character that that has a strong character, and it doesn't matter mm. about doesn't matter about the the powers, and it doesn't matter about the abilities. Because if I remember rightly, in the finale of the Grant Morrison run, he kind of galvanizes everybody and convinces everybody to to get their second wind and to fight back against Magneto who was at the time pretending to be Zorro. He was the cheerleader, wasn't he? Yeah. So he he, you know, he convinced even these stalwart X-Men, Wolverine, Cyclops, to to, you know, it got them into the spirit of things and they went and they defeated Magneto, you know, and they, they did it. They succeeded and it was almost off the back of what Beak said and his experience with the X-Men. He, you know, wants to make the difference. He didn't have the abilities, not have the powers, but almost that doesn't even matter. It doesn't even make that much of a difference there are there are great x-men with crap powers there are you know, and there always will be because that's the the point of the x-men um but i think that was a i think that's a very good choice as well thank you very much sir fantastic i always seek your approval always always seeking approval what do you like next i'm gonna go with magic Ilyana Rasputin. She's not underrated in my world, I'll tell you that. She's ah, well, there we top go. of my ratings. Now, I've included two new mutants on my list because I yep. feel like there's a lot of hate for this upcoming New Mutants movie. And the New Mutants outsold the X-Men in the 80s. They were, in my opinion, the better of the two mutant comic books that were being written at that time by Chris Claremont. They were darker, they were more interesting, the characters were fresher, the stories were, were better written, the artwork was better as well. You've got uh, Bill Sinkowitz on it. The new film coming out, it's been dogged by a lot of people like, ooh, horror, I don't know, horror X-Men. I'm like, what a great idea. What something new and interesting to do with the X-Men and some great characters to do it with as well. Yeah, it's been, sadly, due to the buy-in of Fox, it's been a bit, you know, knocks back. It's potentially been re-edited, but now apparently the original version is going to go ahead and then coronavirus is knocked back yet again. Again, it's been knocked back three or four times. Oh, it's people ridiculous. are saying it's cursed. But these characters are great, and I think the film needs to be given a chance. Yeah, it's going to be a one-off. There's not probably not going to be any kind of sequels or anything to it. But I'm looking forward to a mutant-based horror story with some of my oh, favorite yeah. X-Men characters in it. Me too. Right? And I think she's going to play, a, I think Anna Taylor-Joy plays her, I believe her name is, the actress. And I think she's going to be absolutely fantastic. From so, what I've seen in the trailer, she's got that kind of, uh, well, she, you know, she's committing to that Russian accent. She's yeah. committing to that kind of dark sensibility that uh, magic has. Yeah. Um, a bit disturbed. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it, that's for sure. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a swan song for this old X-Men franchise. And maybe we'll get something that's a bit more streamlined, a bit more, you know, defined in continuity. But, you know, I went to see Dark Phoenix. It wasn't as bad as I expected it to be, but it wasn't oh, great either. It was pretty bad, though. It was pretty yeah. bad, but I kind of went, okay, this is, the third act's pretty good, you know, but there's, there's moments. But yeah, it still wasn't what I want, but I had to see it for those reasons. So, Ileana Rasputin, you know, started off as a quite small character, just kind of related to Colossus, kind of, he's the mm -hmm. little girl, you know, because he jumps in front of the tractor and saves her from being run over, and that's when his powers first kind of show. She was uh, kidnapped 
by an evil demon called Belasco. And basically he abducted her because of her pure soul and wanted to use her pure soul and corrupt it in order to release the elder gods, kind of very Lovecraftian kind of characters uh, that would, you know, absorb Earth, destroy it, take it over, you know, same old shit. Um, and he's Goblins like, in the streets. Yeah, exactly. Uh, not, unlike, kind of thing. not unlike the crossover that the X-Men did called Inferno. Well, she has some lovely, like, uh, horse-like hooves in yeah. that. Uh, kind of goat, yes. goat yeah. demon-esque, a dark child persona. But yeah, so in this kind of, uh, she was taken away to Limbo. Now, time passes differently in Limbo than it does in the real world. So she spent, her, she spent a good few years being hounded, abused, taught black and white magic. There was alternative versions of the X-Men in there. So like an evil Nightcrawler, her brother was dead. Um, Storm was a witch. Shadow Cat was like a cat person. Um, loads of crazy stuff going on there. There's a little mini series um, called Magic, I believe. Chris Claremont wrote and John Boschamer, I think, does the art. And uh, it tells the kind of story of her times in Limbo. But she manages to be- kill Belasco or banish Belasco and takes over Limbo after her soul has been partially corrupted. She creates this amazing soul sword, which is a big, like, eldritch armor and sword that she uses, all the magical abilities. Yes, very metal, very hardcore. Um, and she, she takes over Limbo. She controls Limbo. She runs that shit. And then eventually she comes back into the real world. But only a few seconds have passed. So she was like, I don't know, like five, six or something, seven. And then she comes out and she's 13 years of age and lived, you know, a, a life of abuse and, and horrific things she's seen in her, in her small lifetime. And she joins the New Mutants. Um, and she becomes basic. She's basically the most powerful member of the New Mutants. You know, she has these teleporting discs that take her in and out of limbo and she yep. just grows in power. And she's, she's the main kind of, she's, she's like the quarterback of the group. She's the MVP of the group. You know, all, all the characters are great and have their own abilities, but she's the one they kind of depend on more than most. Um, and because of her time in the kind of limbo, she, she's become quite dark, cold, uh, unemotional you know she's lost part of her soul so you know you can't really blame her you know she just kind of as time goes on that corruption gets worse and creates this kind of demonic dark child persona but during the inferno storyline she manages to kind of banish that part of herself and it kind of reverts her back to her childlike state but she kind of still has all the memories of, of stuff that's gone on but she's a child again which is a bit weird. You know, her life is not great. It doesn't have a lot of happy moments, um, but she gets the legacy virus, which is kind of a mutant version of kind of HIV and AIDS um, that they had for a while in the kind of 90s up until the, the late 90s where Colossus... Or Corona. Or Corona, yeah. A bit like Corona. Yeah, Colossus sacrifices himself to cure the world of the legacy virus because, um, because he... Is never forget. Guy. Never forget, Dan. Yeah, I never will. Uh, it's a really tragic issue if you've read it. Um, I think Jubilee... Oh, it's it, it, one of the most beautiful bits of imagery is is Colossus holding his arm out and he has that big syringe in his yeah. you know in in his right hand and he's going to you know put it in himself to to sacrifice himself essentially and I just yeah. that's right. one of my favourite panels that yeah it's very it's very iconic and and lovely but don't worry she got resurrected much like all the other X Men um, standard goes, I'll have I'll have a, I'll have her back but he resurrects her without a soul she's not her, this demonic entity. She put herself at odds with a lot of the X-Men at this kind of time. She she forced Colossus to become the Juggernaut and to be, you know, controlled by a demonic entity that is Sitarak. Um, and she also stole a bit of Pixie's soul, uh, the Welsh 
the Welsh mutant Pixie, and she got some kind of mystical powers as well. Pixie's not in my in my five, but she was. I uh, was. She was thought about. Yeah, she's a she's a good one. Yeah, I really like Pixie. She's a great one. Yeah. So she only she only becomes more and more powerful. She actually to better control her powers, she travelled back in time to learn with to learn with Doctor Strange, the Sorcerer Supreme, to kind of get a better handle on those powers. And in and another, I think in several timelines, she actually becomes. Yeah, I was going to say she um, she is the sorceress, sorceress supreme. Sorceress supreme, yes. Sorry, my yeah. mistake. Um, but yeah, um, I think she's a great character. I think she's really interesting. I yes. like that she's not all good. You know, she's quite dark. She's quite demonic. You know, for lack of a better word. But the love that her teammates have for her, her brother has for her, kind of it, it does crack through those kind of that darkness, and you can see yeah. she's genuinely loved and cared about. Um, but obviously she's had all this stuff happen to her, which has caused those kind of shields to come up, that armor to build up, literally, you know, even her eldritch armor kind of builds up. But she's a fantastic character and a great new mutant, a great action. She really is, yeah. Um, really, really well written, really well crafted. She, you know, she's great. Um, and I, again, a new mutant that needs proper respect. Yes, I support that. She, to be honest, I think magic potentially for me is like top ten X Men period anyway. Yeah. Uh, let alone underrated for me. I mean, I um, one of the things I love is the juxtaposition of Colossus's personality and her personality. Mm. You know, Colossus is very kind of softly spoken and and, yes. and gentle and sensitive, and and magic is obviously harsh and, and blunt, and <laughs> you know, um, and and I, I, I've always loved that. You know, my little sister can be a bit of a bitch sometimes as well. Um, and you know, it, you know what? it's that love never goes away. You know, um, quite, quite and, the same with my little sister as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you, you know, you, you're you're their protector, and I think that's always come across. How, even though magic potentially is more powerful, well, I'd probably say she is more powerful yeah. than Colossus, but um, he's always still her protector. And I've, I've loved those little tender moments, and I think some of the best parts of that were within the kind of Avengers versus X-Men series. Oh yeah. Good with stuff. Him taking on the juggernaut. Uh, yeah, and, yeah. and I think she sort of really comes into her own and she, she almost kind of, she was best suited within that uncanny X-Men Cyclops kind of, you know, team um, yeah. where they were on the fringe of yeah. being bad guys, essentially um, just because it was an assertive team. It was a team that knew what it wanted and, and she kind of suits that. She's not a bad person, but you know, she she doesn't take any prisoners, so Absolutely. to speak, because of her life. And yeah, I, I so yeah, really, um, yeah, big fan. 